Jungle for the final time this year. I'm here with Ashley Boyd. You're with Ryan Chipperfield. Ash, good to have you here. Yes, you are. Good to be here, Chip. Yeah, uh, and uh, final one of 2016. Yeah, we're signing and... off actually, which is good. And uh, I think, like the Lions, we need the break as well. So good to freshen up in the off season. Come back to you with some new and fresh content for 2017. Uh, it'll be here in no time, I'm sure. Tell you what, I wouldn't mind. Year off and 450k. <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I, yeah. I think it's one of those ones, isn't it? That 450k will dry up real quick. I know a lot well, of people, when they get payouts from work, their annual leave disappears pretty quickly. Yeah, and look, um, we thought, well, you, myself, and Timo said no, Leper would stay. I just thought there was no succession plan. I thought they would get better coaches around Leper. I thought Leper had the playing group. Yep. Maybe didn't have the entire support of the club, but I thought he had enough support. Thought he would stay. Joel said, "Nut nah, Lepper's going." Um, yeah, well, it was three on one again. Yeah. So we said that. So he said seventy five percent of the podcast thinks he stays on. We better get to the big issue because um, we're recording on a Monday night at uh, night time here. So the news is still pretty fresh and raw it's to us. It's very fresh to us. This yep. will be getting broadcasted on Wednesday night uh, through the Mighty Jungle, through the uh, Ultimate Brisbane Lions fan page, who I must say have been great support to us oh. throughout the year. And really appreciate those boys and um, the hard work they put in behind the scenes to drive a really great quality page for the Brisbane Lions fans. Yeah, it's a good, great concept too to uh, to have that. And then also super nice of them to uh, get us on board and yeah. develop this other concept. Well, it's yeah. their, it's their, it is their concept and we don't talk about that enough is that uh, the guys said, look, we'll back you guys in as long as it's Brisbane Lions only content. And it's been a real direction shift for us away from the main podcast, which is a bit of everything. Yep. Instead of licorice all sorts, we've got one flavor and that flavor's, that flavor's good it's, and it's Brisbane flavor. But um, blue and gold. I love the fact that those boys uh, drive really quality content out and they find the best content on the net and bring it to those fans exclusively. So well done to them. But also like the opinion page, Brisbane Lions talk and really appreciative of, of the support that they've given us as well. And that's a really nicely put together page, more opinion based and um, a lot of you know observational viewpoints. And mm-hmm. the fans quite vocal on there too. So fact and fiction sometimes, but uh, either or works for me. Hey. So it's been good. But uh, mm-hmm. the big issue of the week, obviously, um, Monday press conference, Justin Leppage, see you later, didn't front up for the uh, press conference a la Vossi style. Basically uh, said he didn't want a part of that and wanted the uh, powers that be to handle that part of the uh, the due diligence. But I am really sad for Lepper. I think what people forget in all this kind of uh, quest for blood is that he's a, he's a family man. He's got three young kids. He's... Uh, the provider for the family. They've built a life up here in Brisbane. He moved back from Richmond to come and do this. Uh, not easy. But also, I really believe in people being set up to fail. And I really believe in the bottom of my heart the leper was set up to fail. I don't think anyone besides a Clarko, a Ross Lyon, a Paul Ruse could have actually fixed this club in the condition that it's in without senior experience. Yeah, and also he didn't have a great team around him. I just think... The team around him really wasn't, couldn't give him the support he needed. That's, um, that's why I deep down thought Leper deserved another chance. Um, because we were never going to be, you know, this great team that was going to make the eight and play deep into the finals or anything like that. And we probably don't, we don't expect that next year. So I just thought, you know, we don't have the cash to throw no. around. Let Leper go around again. As I said before, I thought the playing group was with him. Um, 
I even think deep down the supporters wanted him still. The supporters a lot of the time will get on board with the coach, particularly when they're an ex-player. But um, so half half a million yeah. dollars is a gym fit out, Ash. That's a quality gym fit out. Right? Yeah, it's a lot of cash. The, the yeah. racks that they use for CrossFit are twenty grand a piece. That's yeah. a lot of squat. If, if um, <laughs> well, CrossFit racks. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to have a bit of a tongue twister there. But yeah, it's it's an amazing loss of cash. Like yeah. it shocks me that we've lost four hundred fifty grand. And not only that, we're going to have to go and pay a quality coach probably a million a season to entice them up to Brisbane or go untried again for about the same amount, 500K. So we're a million down in coach already and we haven't won a game yet. We haven't won an additional game in 2017. So it's just bewildering this decision. It didn't... um, I guess they thought maybe something had to happen. Um, And they they, they thought that, yep, all right, the coach is one thing. There's been some pressure on Leper. They've probably helped put that pressure on Leper. Um, I think the thing that, that... that drew the nail to the coffin has to be that Essendon at one stage took us over for the spoon. So we were almost spoon on the weekend. There was actually a goal that St Kilda kicked in front and we went to 18th. Yeah. And then we kicked a few late ones to sneak back up to 17th. And I reckon the, the board members would have been sitting there at that point in the game going, are we seriously going to lose to a team that's been decimated, like had 20 players stripped out of it and has top up players from the VFL running around in it? And I reckon that they've gone, we can't allow this anymore. I mean, Leper's record is like 21%. It's horrendous. And mm. that's acknowledged. And he's had a 15th, a 17th, and a 17th. So it's not gone well. No. But this was the bottom out after the bad, bad, bad Vol era and the, the poor trading through that period and kind of reclaiming our picks who then ran away, who then we've re-kept again. But this was the step that we had to take. We had to keep him and just go one more season to really make sure we had bottom out, try and get five or six wins next year, keep improving, keep the trend line going north, and then start making some future decisions about what the club looks like in 2018, 2019. Hmm. So, I don't know. It was just really... It was frustrating. It was annoying. And we're half a million down on something that we can't... You know, it's not going to necessarily improve us next year either. So the number one candidate they're talking about is John Barker. Yeah. Right? And he's been linked as the number one candidate. He's untried, and he's been interim coach for about five minutes at Carlton, and they weren't great. There was a little bit of fight in them, but they weren't great. And there's three cocks at Hawthorne. Yeah. (laughs) Simon Cox, Adrian Cox, and John Barker. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, so... I, I don't know. I think I think so. The other candidates have been thrown around. Stewie Jew from um, I know a couple of our members in the group text are really hot on Stewie Jew. Mate, good quads, solid quads from Stewie. Um, yeah, I've got a problem with him, Ash. I don't I don't like players that have forged a reputation on being lazy trainers. I don't know how you can set a culture for a club when you're famously out of shape and conditioned as an AFL player. He was never yeah. in great shape. Okay. Uh, he also famously didn't really have a lot of ability, just put a lot of heart into his on-field performance. Um, and look, you know, no doubt he's done quality things at Sydney and the midfield there, which he looks after is performing at all Australian standard. And that was proven today, Monday, by the uh, team selection. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. He's still unproven. He's never been a lead of a club before. He's kind of come up to a wasteland in Brisbane where there's a whole world of trouble. Stewie Jew, you know, does it sit like we should have got rid of Leper for Stewie Jew? I don't think so. No. Who um, 
Who else are we thinking? So um, this is off the media. My my pick from day one's been Brenton Sanderson. I love Sando and would love us to go as hard as we can for Sando as possible. He's a guy that loves being the guy. Mm-hmm. So as much as Collingwood, I think, are throwing cash at him to get him as the director of football or that kind of coaching assistant, the senior coaching assistant. He would love to be the guy again. And as I said in previous episodes, his knowledge of the under-20s program would be very beneficial to us, particularly isolating the Queensland-based players through that under-20s program. Is he in the mix? Is he being discussed or not? Not as much as I'd like. Okay. Not as much as I'd like. He's like like my sort of left obscure pick because everyone thinks it's a done deal with him and Collingwood. It's just that Collingwood have got to announce the, the coaches that will leave to allow him to come in. So it's a bit of a sensitive one. So a lot of people are saying that could be a done deal. But it's never over till it's over, and I'd love to see him in there because also he's a development coach, and what's what we need? We need to learn how to kick and handball. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other ones are so Brett, Brett Montgomery left his post at the Western Bulldogs. Everyone knows how good the Bulldogs have gone in the last twelve months, and yeah. what a team they've become. And Montgomery um, has seen a couple of regimes there, and just missed out on the job for Beveridge. Mm-hmm. So he was a bit uh, onward and upward. Where do, where do I go for the next opportunity? So he's been linked to us uh, for obvious reasons for seeking that senior progression. Also, Scotty Burns, he's been in the mix a lot of times for senior coaching jobs, always come up short. A bit like a Ken Hinckley type that's gone to the well five or six times and never yep. got the job. So, Scott Burns, a bit of a Lions nemesis from back yeah, in the day. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't think the fans would sit well with that, would they? Don't know. Don't love Scotty. Never no. really loved playing against, uh, watching the Lions no, play against him either. No. They had some big battles with him. Jade Rawlings, the, uh, the Melbourne coach. So, he actually stood in as a caretaker coach before the Mark Neal yeah, okay. era. Been a long time since he was the guy, but um, has a bit of experience. And yeah, yeah, it's a footballing family. He gets to the rolling, so maybe he's interesting. But for me, the ones with senior experience, the ones we should be interested in. So like I said, Brendan Sanderson. I really like Brendan McCartney. I think the Bulldogs have had an incredible couple of years off the back of what McCartney tried to put in place. uh, Yeah, I've I've got some Bulldogs friends. Sorry, friends that are Bulldog supporters. And uh, they seem to think that he was uh, the guy. To remain, obviously, he didn't. Well, Be- say that. Beveridge has been incredible, and no one takes that away. But McCartney handpicked that list. Like Stringer and McRae were his drafts, so they've really they've done well on McCartney to put a list together that could play. And at the time, everyone's like, "Oh, the captain hates him, and Ryan Griffin hates him." Well, Griffin's really not done a lot at the Giants, and I, could, I think kind of McCartney's been vindicated in that because they've come out the better. Yeah, you know, yeah. they've really had some quality picks. They've done the swap. I mean, Tom Boyd's hit and miss, but. Everyone's kind of won in that. Yeah, and I, I think, think Tom so. Boyd is a key forward for the future. Very interesting how that plays out. Mm. Griffin was on the back end of his career. Um, Brett Ratton, been linked. He said no, but he, the only reason he would have said no publicly at this stage instead of, oh, we'll see, is because Hawthorne have got a finals campaign to worry about. Yep. And uh, as you'll remember last year, Brennan Bolton didn't go through the finals with the Hawks because he accepted the Carlton job. Yeah, okay. So, Hawks are really strict on that if the coach is going to go because they've had it happen so many times. Yeah. I mean, you want someone from that that works. You want someone that's been in that inner, you know, mm. has learnt off one of the best or the best. So, Well, yeah. I use the example. Of, you remember in Blackfish, the movie, the uh, documentary about the killer whales? Have you yeah. seen that? You yeah. know how they did Tilikum, how it was like the main whale and how much sperm had fertilised other whales and how they're all like these aggressive subculture yeah. of killer yeah. whales and they did the big pie chart? Yeah. Well, they do that with Clarko's offspring. <laughs> so they've got like all <laughs> the clubs assistants. that he's effectively touched because his assistants have gone to other clubs. 
And it was like, it was incredible because there's like six senior coaches that were Adel- um, Hawthorne assistant coaches. Yeah, right. So it's pretty incredible how much of an influence Hawthorne have had on the footy landscape over the last six years. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's all I compare it to because I remember seeing that <laughs> diagram being like, it's like Buddy Tillicum all over again. But the only other one, I mean, yeah, so Ratton, he'll have to say no until the Hawks are out or their season's over or they've won the premiership. So he can't say yes because he won't be a part of that finals uh, mm-hmm. makeup otherwise and he wants to be a part Probably of Probably wouldn't mind Ratton, yeah. Well, yeah, the only thing is, obviously, Hamo, friend of the show, did not give him a big review of his time at Carlton. Said, okay. said he did not have the players. So, um, the Carlton players were very, very pleased to see the back of Brett Ratton. So, that's the only thing I've got to go off. And as a, as a player himself, I obviously take Hamo's opinion pretty closely. Yeah. But uh, Mark Williams, Ash, speaking about former nemesis, the Richmond Choco. assistant. Choco. <laughs> famous for giving us the tie choker hold. Yeah. He's oh, passionate. He is passionate. You can see it in his eyes. Um, I, I hated him, but I also respected him. Yeah, he um, he had the players, and he got the best. He's gotten the best out of Dustin Martin at Richmond. He's in all Australian now. Dustin Martin confirmed on Monday. Yeah. So he's clearly a motivator of men, and he's got that ability to look him in the eye and give him that dad pep talk. Where Leppard was probably a bit young to give him the speaking to. Mm. Choco Williams can absolutely give him the speaking. Oh, if Choco to. looked at you and started speaking, yeah, you. Yeah, you'd feel it. Yeah, and I, I, I love the old-fashioned spray, and it's something that's been missing from our coach's box, I think, for some time. Yeah. Uh, Vossi had that air of intensity about him, but he was a cheeky kind of guy as well. And I don't know, I just think Choco would bring a real hard edge to the football club. And you know what? It might help us through a really tough era because it will show that we want to be there. Yeah. It will show that we're physical for the contest and we want to have a go. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's the uh, that's the lay of the land from the coach's perspective. Uh, in terms of the result, it was a tough weekend. Uh, it's pretty rare that you can lose by 50 points and improve your percentage in this competition. And that's exactly what the Lions did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very rare that a club can get absolutely doused and come back with a percentage increase. But Daniel Merritt thought he'd celebrate his final game by not only getting towed up by Nick Rewalt with a handy nine goals... But uh, he also thought he'd celebrate by getting rubbed out for two weeks for a forearm to the head on Shane Savage. So Merritt goes in the only way that Merritt could, and that's by not being quick enough to get to the contest and throwing his arms around to compensate. uh, Was it just clumsy, or was there a bit of... Oh, always with Merritt. He he plays on the edge, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, but he's... uh, Did he want to get him or no? Oh, he always wants to get him. That's just Merritt's makeup. That's Mm. Merritt's makeup. So... I I am so glad we don't have to talk about it anymore, Ash. It's been a really tough year. He should have gone last year. He obviously wanted that milestone and to lead these guys, but uh, it's been a season to forget for him. Um, and, I mean, we can take the good of it. He's been a great servant through the club through a really tough period. And, you know, you never want to see a player miss out on finals glory as much as he has over the journey, but at least he got that one campaign and can hang his hat on that. Uh, looks like he's better off the field than he is on it now, and that's where he can add his value in the offseason. Yeah, I wonder, um, you know, you wonder how much of a toll it's taken on his body, because he did seem a look quite emotional when you saw his, um, well, the his statement to the yeah. boys. Yeah, because yeah. um, I, I just remember um, back in the day, my old man was sitting next to Jamie Charman's dad, yeah. and they were discussing... Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me this. And he, yeah. he, couldn't, he couldn't get up. He could hardly walk after games for a long time um, and you see that in older players which you expect Yeah. but Charman at that time wasn't that old so um, you know I think we forget how much these players put their bodies through like they just get worn out and worn out and then uh, a, a lot of the time you cannot have a lot to show for it like like Merritt's had a great career but 
Yeah. The accolades haven't Imagine been Imagine if he didn't him. make 200. So, like, 200 is what he's always going to be able to say for the rest of his life. I played 200 I played senior 200 games. games. Yeah. Maybe it was 170. Maybe it was 180. It doesn't have that ring, no, does it? No, it yeah. just... It kind of... He's lost in the wash. Yeah. So, him making 200 really boosts his profile and, and gives him that elite status in the game. But... Yeah. Really would have been hard to find other things to hang his hat on um, throughout his career. Obviously, polled pretty well in the best and fairest um, in his heyday. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. You know what else took me back is um, I watched AFL 360 every week, and I love that show, and I love watching all the players that they get on because you get to see all different personality types. What I realized is just how sheltered Brisbane is from the footy community. Mm. And what I mean by that is I was trying to think of a time this year that I've actually seen a Brisbane line on that show. And I think aside from Tom Rockliffe once, I can't remember a time where I saw a line on the show. And and Merritt looked bloody nervous. Like yeah, he, okay. actually, he looked re- like he was fumbling his words. He looked super nervous, like super anxious to be doing the interview. And I compare him to all these like pro Melbourne players that are just in there. Like a couple of the players are on there every week without fail on players night, Thursday nights. And I just looked at Merritt. He was like a shell of a human being. And he's a bit of a larrikin around, so we're used to him being really jovial. He's a confident guy. Yeah. You know, he does some radio stuff. He looked super nervous. And it was just because I think it was like live TV. And AFL 360 is the biggest sort of viewed show in the football community. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Apart from the games itself, it was pretty crazy. So, um, you know, we're just so sheltered up here. And that was proven today, Ash, when the All-Australian squad came out. And it had uh, a duck egg of Brisbane Lions in it. Absolutely yeah, none. None. I just, I mean, we've campaigned for it all year, but Dane's Orko's year. Yeah, you it's think not just Brisbane good; it's bloody good. Yeah, it's it's exceptional. Um, he's been a standout for a lot of players. I think players we've interviewed, like from other clubs, have even said, you know, what Zorko's oh, one yeah, to watch. Um, yeah, someone... the respect from his former captain Jed Adcock was yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, disappointing, I guess. He. Do you think he would care? He would, wouldn't he? It's something they keep their eye. They say they don't uh, care, but yeah, they don't care. To, yeah, to, like, for a player to be able to put that AA next to their, their CVs, that yeah. makes a huge difference. And, yeah. you know, to get that recognition for... I mean, remember when we used to play premierships, the, the Lions would have six or seven players oh, we'd be in stacked. that side. Yeah. And it just... It is a booster for the club. It does really give the club something to hang its hat on that we have had in All-Australian, that the season has had purpose. Yeah. But for a player to take something away from a year like that, he may not ever play that good again. You just don't know. Like, hmm. that could be his best year. And I think they always want to be rewarded when they have that breakout year to be noticed and, and recommended as a, recognized as an All-Australian. I just... I looked at the squad, though. It was really interesting because Robbie Gray missed out as well. I thought he had an incredible year. And then Zach Merritt from uh, Essendon. Essendon as well, So they've yeah. clearly gone a little bit taller in the forward line. And then, like, an Eddie Betts has sort of snuck in to be able to play that uh, that, that crumbing role. He's been great. He's probably that. been... He's the best small forward in the comp. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt I mean, about it. And Zorko plays more midfield half forward. So yeah. it, that's probably what's cost him a little bit is his time in the midfield. Whereas if he played probably purely on a half forward flank, which is what we are talking about last week as the ideal position for him, if our midfield stacks up, then he would be, I feel like, as an all He'll be kicking a lot of goals and uh, getting a lot of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. But good news for the show, because we can tick the box. We've had an All-Australian on the show this year. Tom and that was Scully. Tom Scully. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so it was great to have Scully on. And, I mean, we knew that we were lucky to get him, and, and we're really grateful for the GWS Giants to give us access to Scully. But uh, to have an All-Australian on the show, Ash, in our first season is very nice and yeah. one that we can tick off. 
And uh, we've had captains, we've had coaches, we've had sack coaches. Yeah. So uh, had it all the it's been in a roller coaster well, of a year. You know what you think? Um, so you do it all, Chip. You go to a team most of the time. Sometimes you've got some people you know, but uh, they say you ask, and they're really they're not obliged to say yes. Um, I don't know how they do it. If they go to the players and say, "Does anyone want to talk to this uh, amateur podcast from Brisbane?" <laughs> or what do they do? So. Scully, you know, he was maybe good enough to put his hand up and say, I'll have a chat to him. No, I, I, I went after Scully. I, oh, okay. uh, I went after Scully. I have been a mad Scully fan ever since watching him in the draft leading up to his number one pick where he was touted as the only number one option and him and Jack Trengrove hmm. went in that number one to as Melbourne got the priority pick that year. Yeah. Back in, what, 2009 or 2010? Okay. I think it's 2009. And uh, I looked at... I looked at him and how he handled himself in that time. He was just a quiet lad. He just went about his business. He's a hard trainer. All the things that you know I love. Mm. Um, and as much as I'm outlandish on the show, I just go about my business in most things in life. And I just love it. I think it's such a good thing that he does. And he, wouldn't, he doesn't make any noise. He's probably the, the lowest profile Melbourne player going around at that time. He just kept, kept to himself. And he got out of Melbourne because he, I don't think he liked the noise. You know, yeah. I think he wanted to get up to the GWS and kind of disappear and just play his footy. And we got that sense from him when he was being interviewed by us. So incredible for uh, Skulldog. And uh, good on him. And we look forward to chatting with him next year. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, back to Lions. Back to the Lions. Look, the Saints The Saints did us. Uh, Rui did kick nine goals. He took a record for himself, 21 marks. Um, it's a pretty big day at the office. Yeah. He actually got 200 Dream Team points, which Jeez. is, uh, to raise the bat like that, is incredible. And it just shows you. I think Hamelman played on him for a while. Merritt got towed up. Um, Harris played as like a loose man for a lot of the game as well, the plus yep. one, and it just didn't work. You know, they've got Membry, they've got Josh Bruce. It shows you how badly a three-pronged forward line can chop us up, and Rui's played his best game of the season on us. Yeah. So He's been good all year, actually, Rui. He's been so, incredible. Yeah. Really unlucky to not make All-Australian himself. Yeah, yeah. And if the Saints probably jagged another one or two wins, and... He's, so goals really get you noticed. His goals were down this year. Yeah. Whereas obviously game of the weekend shows you what he can do. And he, he kicked straight. He kicked really straight on the weekend. So yeah. I think he kicked nine too. So um, Good that's, something that's, well, that's something that's always missed his career. Yeah. Is uh, his dead accuracy in front of goals. Like remember him and Cosie used to spray them from 30 in front. Oh. All the time. It was like yeah. a running joke. You just cover your eyes when you'd see one of them mark it 30 out. Yeah, yeah and they do it a lot, and then yeah. they just miss a lot. So, uh, especially that Ross Lyon era, like, Rui could never kick straight. So, just heartbreaking one to watch him kick straight, especially when we needed the percentage. Yeah. But I am really pleased we didn't get the spoon. Our club just can't handle it. We just can't handle the media. Uh, the Bombers, it was the right thing for them to get the spoon. They've had a horrible year, but they had a reason to have a horrible year. They'll take a lot away from this. They were better equipped to handle the spoon than this really subliminal, tough Brisbane market up here yeah. that we need to try and get some traction back in. And the crowd numbers can't get any worse. It's the worst they've ever been up in Brisbane. Anyway, enough doom and gloom. The Saints have showed us that with a quality rebuild and some good draft selections, as well as a little bit of key trading in key areas, you can bounce back and bounce back quite strong. Like, they picked up memory from the Swans mm-hmm. for basically nothing. So you start looking at some of the acquisitions that they've made that weren't head turners at the time that have turned into really good acquisitions not, in the future. A nice little addition, yeah. Guys like Jared Jansen for us this year. Great, really positive pickup that wasn't getting a game elsewhere. We've snapped him up. He'll get games for us now. So mm-hmm. those kind of players give us hope that there's depth in our list. Mitch Robbo's delisted, then picked up again, getting games for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Ash, what I thought we'd do to finish up our, uh, our final podcast for the year is a positive... 
and a negative from the Brisbane Lions season. And I'll oh, go right. first to buy you some time because I've sprung this on you late. Yeah, I haven't. But the positive, savvy to this. the positive for me, Ash, is got to be the spine. So we've spoken about it a lot throughout the year. The biggest positive that we can hang our hat on in 2017 is that from 2016 season, we've built the spine of what things are to come. And the spine now has some rotations. It's not just a four-man. You've got four key guys with two or three others that can provide relief in that period. So obviously, Shaki up forward. We've got Freeman, who I think could be really, really handy for us, and also now close at centre half forward. But and and Eric the Eel, Eric the Eel. Obviously, it's his to lose at the moment. Centre half forward's his, and those other guys are just a couple of years older than him. But Eric's season's been incredible. Shaq shown enough that he's the full forward target going. Yeah, going he, forward. he'd be a tired boy. He'd be a tired boy. He'd be right shattered, now. and he'd played the most minutes out of any rookie apparently on on field time. So. Yeah. You know, he deserved his rest. But uh, look, Martin and Archie through the middle and, and, and rucking, that's the, the solid options that we've got there. I really think uh, Dan McStay is our centre-half back. And then obviously full-back is, is Harris Andrews. Yep. So it's a really nice, confident spine that we've got some guys that can run through there and really support. And we've just got to build the players around them. The other jigsaw pieces will fall where they will. The negative for me, Ash, it's I come back to it yet again. We covered it off in the pillars got to be the facilities it's got to be the consistent ongoing issues off field that are hurting us on field so we really need to get this addressed we need to have the plan in place even if it's as simple as hanging a picture on the wall of what the facilities will look like in two years it's the carrot and the beam of light that the players need to see when they walk out to the oval every day Mm -hmm. that this will end this won't be a forever thing. Remember at our school, they always told us they were going to build a pool. They never They did. never built the pool. Have they built the pool yet? They did build a pool. But it wasn't. it's not 50 metres, is it? No, no 25, 25 metres. Because they could never get the funds together, so they rushed it, right? Yeah. And they dangled that bloody carrot for so long, and we never knew it. We knew it was never coming, right? And it infuriated us and made us so dirty. And then literally the year after I graduated, the pool came. The pool came. But... It was amazing. The year, even when I was there, I was never going to use it, but they put pictures up and all of a sudden I started to believe the pool was coming mm. and it made such a big difference. So you've just got to think, if you're a Brisbane Lions player, you want to see that change is coming, especially when you look at contracts two or three years down the track, give us a reason to re-sign. I'm going to commit my life here. A lot of the players are building houses here. Give them a reason to stay. Mm. Positive and negative for you, Ash. Bring us home. All right. I'm going to say the positive. I mean... I- I look at it as maybe an obvious positive. Yeah. And it is, uh, we have the youth. Okay. We have the stocks. We have the young stocks. Um, I think everyone can see that. We've seen some glimpses from players. Um, as you particularly said, Chip, in the spine, in the yeah. important, important Who key Who else positions. do you like the look, the look of from the youth? What are some other kids that sort of take your fancy? Whoa. Any of the smaller blokes? Um, yeah, look, I think even... I think even, you know, those like 22-year-old guys that we we look at and say, are they going to be something? Yeah. Are they just something on the fringe? But... Like a cutler type that, yeah. you know, that have shown real promise this year, got some good skills. Yeah, so I just think there's a... The only way forward is up. And if we can, uh, yeah, get build that youth, build a good, strong, solid... Our mid, you look at our midfield. You say we've said it. We've said it before. You well, list Keys, those names, Matheson, yeah, and absolutely. You go, All right, yeah. This this is going to be solid. This is going to be tight, and you get you're hoping that you're going to get some reward for that. And um, yeah, I just think the youth, the youth is good. We've been going on and on about how the youth Lep is playing the youth. It's 
Or well, it's pretty much the in word for the Brisbane Lions right now. The, and the thing that shocked me the most from his last presser, I don't yeah. know if you saw this last week, but um, he actually said if he had his time again, knowing how the tone of the board has changed over the last couple of he weeks. He wouldn't have done what he's done. Yeah, he would not have persisted as much as he had and actually would have traded in the offseason to get rid of some of the youth, which just shows you how important contracts are for coaches because he believed he was safe. He played kids that we needed to play. But if he didn't, he might have gotten tried to get a Chris Yaron or a, someone like that. Mm. And we would have been stuck with the same he might ri- have, Richmond mess. He, he might have gone with a lottery. That's what I'm saying. Gamble, he, might have yeah. done the, he might have done the Michael Voss. Yeah. Thinking we're closer than we are or just trying to get a few extra players to bulk us up. And look at the, look at the trades that we've had so far. Beams can barely get on the field. Uh, Christensen missed eight weeks and was... Bloody ordinary when he was out there. Had a pretty good start to last year, but really disappointing this year in how he's been. So it Bell starts to really there, hurt us. Yeah, yeah Bell, Bell had a shocking follow-up season to his first breakout season for Carlton last year. We got him in his premium, and he's had a pretty ordinary year this year as well. So. I'm, I'm just hoping, though, you know, he's still young. Oh, they'll be fine. The, they just, the age is... It just shows you, though, that, that, you know, a coach under pressure that makes those decisions... They aren't the right decisions. And it's why the coach shouldn't really have list management power. Lepper said on the record that he would have done it differently last season if he knew he was under pressure like this. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, so, to think so of that. He's just playing for his... Yeah. Playing for his he, At the time, contract. he's like, well, I'm just trying to get... So he knew that he might be able to get six wins, right? Or seven wins with that. Yeah. Now, no one knew it was going to be this bad. But six wins saves him. So, you know, double the wins saves him. So, yeah, you think about a couple of extra players and what we would have given up to get them could have really hurt us for the long term and has repercussions for the club. Yeah, look, I think we're going to look better for this season. Um, yeah. and that, that's kind of the thing that saddens me a little yeah. bit about Leper going. Big but time. Anyway, Big so that's time. my positive. Yeah. We've got the youth. We've played the youth. The kids. experience the kids. And they're going to go around the preseason. They're going to bulk up. They're going to get fitter. Yeah. Robbie, gonna be able Robbie to and Kylie harder. sung that song best, Ash. Doing, yeah. it, doing it for the kids. <laughs> doing it for the kids. So, uh, yeah. What's the negative? The negative is, um, you've, you've said facilities. My negative is most definitely the off-field management. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a boys club. I don't know if it's uh, just... So, a culture. A cu- well, I don't know if it's a complete divide between footy operations and off-field operations. Because... I just, well, in, in the successful clubs, they work hand-in-hand, hand, right? They're going to work together. They're on the same page. They're working towards the same goals. At Brisbane, I don't even know if they'd talk to each other, you know? Um, even if they'd get CC'd in on any of the emails that would go out. Well, Leper, Leper's sacking got notified to the players via email today. Yeah, okay. That's how they found out. Yeah, I just think um, the, the board or the off-field management, look, whatever it is, they're either just off sipping lattes or having long lunches and not getting down and really working hard for the club and working working towards what we need. Well, I truly believe desperation is a stinky cologne. It stinks. You can smell it and yeah. our club is desperate. And unfortunately, the powers that be know it and the AFL knows it. And unfortunately, the whole competition knows it. So it's really changed the way that we go about things to try and drive it off field. And mm-hmm. it's influencing our decisions, which is not how you want to be. You want to, you want to act like a club with swagger. You want to act with a club with confidence. And you want your players to feel confident in the club. So they've got to get their swagger back. How's Brisbane going to get its groove back? That's the question. How are they going to get that off-field swagger? But I've got to admit, I did like Swan's pre- press conference today. Mm. Obviously, Bayless, the uh, chairman, gave the news that the uh, Lions were going in a different direction and that um, you know Leper wasn't going to be the future. He was a lot more clinical. But Swan, he's been there. He's done that. He's been to a few rodeos. He's seen how to handle the ball. 
he he deflected some questions really smartly. He spoke really relevantly about how look, this is just the cost of doing business. You know, if you're sack a coach, sack a coach. Get on, get on, get on with the show. Let's try and drive a new culture here. We can't do this anymore. We can't lose this many at games. Mm-hmm. But he also spoke about um, how to handle it, how they're going to do the search. He, he spoke well about. They basically said to him like, "How can you notify the players via email? Like, do you think that's an appropriate thing to do?" He's like, "There's no way to handle this." He's like, "There's no set way on how to handle a coach sacking." He goes, "This was the way that we chose. That's how it is." Yeah, right. And I really like that because yeah, yeah. it's right. Like, I've, 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 I've sacked staff. I don't know if you've had to sack staff before, but there's no good way to do it. There's no. It's always going to be yeah, awkward. It's always going to be tough. Yeah. They're always going to hate the way you do it. Mm-hmm. So you just have to do it. Yeah. And sometimes you know, just you got to you know, take him out the back and shoot him. And that's what he did. And it was ruthless and it was brutal. But that was the decision the club made. Yeah. So as long as Swan can keep that kind of swagger and drive us in a direction that looks like what he's done with Collingwood. That we're a bit confident. Yeah, yeah, that we've got a belief in ourselves that we can manage this. And I did like it. They didn't tell the AFL that they were going to do this. They didn't go asking daddy for permission. They said, well, fuck it. We're going to sack the coach. This is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of glimmer in the off-field situation. But you're right. The culture is a concern. And how is the tail wagging the dog? Mm. Mm. Anyway, I don't know. Ash, it's been a fun year. Thank you to everyone that stayed with us for this long. We've uh, pumped out a few episodes of the Mighty Jungle, and it's I'm gone ex- so fast. I'm exhausted, Chip. Yeah, it's been oh. a big season. Can I it's sit back on season. the couch and just you relax? Can, you can sit back and relax while I wind us up for the last time. For everyone that has found us on this podcast, we really appreciate it. It does mean a lot that you've come and listened to us each week. We do ask, though, you stay with us. We're having a week off next week for the Notorious podcast, our main show, which covers off all teams, all where, all places. But we're going to come back refreshed after the break and do the finals. So if you want to hear a little bit about the finals, uh, make sure you jump on over to the main show, which is on Monday nights, and it kicks off about 9 or 10 o'clock. It'll be out on iTunes, so fresh for your drive to work on a Tuesday morning. So that's it, the Notorious Podcast. You find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Notorious Podcast, and you can join the conversation there. We always get a lot of laughs and a lot of funny comments in and some funny messages as well. And as always, we value your feedback. So jump on over, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us climb up the ranks to uh, shake up the tree in the podcast world because I've got to be honest, there's not a lot of Brisbane footy podcasts. So we're trying to climb the ladder one rung at a time. We're the best one. We're ranking pretty high at the moment, so <laughs> we'll see how we go. But uh, thanks, that ain't high. thanks for the belief in all of us. But uh, from the whole team here, we were sad to lose half our panel tonight. A couple of illnesses and management issues. Yeah, but late, late emissions. A big thank you from Joel. A big thank you from Timo. A big thank you from myself and Ashley Boyd. We're really proud to bring you this show, and we're just so grateful that people have come and found us this year. But on behalf of all the boys, thanks for 2016, and we'll see you in the new year in 2017. So bye for now for the Mighty Jungle. Yes, you will. See ya. Oh,